Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. We find that as soon as they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and from the very birth of the church, there were people that were added to the church. You find 3,000 people being added, and then beyond that, more people being added, and, and constantly people being added to the church. Chapter after chapter, we find the church growing. Not only growing spiritually, but also growing numerically as well. So if we really want to follow a pattern, then the best pattern that we could follow is the pattern that is outlined here in the book of Acts, the early church pattern. And if we follow the early church pattern, then we'll also be able to have early church results. And I know that we want results. And the most important results that we could have is spiritual results. And then after that, if there's spiritual results, then the church will also grow. If the church grows spiritually, the church will also grow numerically as well. So this morning, we're going to be looking at five features that we find that made the early church effective. But before we get into that, I would like to give a review of what we dealt with the last time we were together. The last time we were together, we dealt with the first discipline in the church. And we find that in the chapter 4. We dealt with chapter 4, verse 32, and it took us all the way to chapter 5, verse 11. And we brought out how in the very beginning, first of all, the, the saints had a spirit of sharing. And we find it in verses 32 to 37. They were united. There was oneness within the church. First, there was uh, what you would call a mystical oneness. There was uh, a oneness of heart and soul. And there was also a unity of vision that they had. They were united in the vision that God gave them. They were united in the very purpose of why God raised up that church. So there was a oneness and there was a, a unity that they had within the assembly. And then also there was ministerial oneness as well. All of the, those that were ministering and all those that were speaking were saying the same thing. There wasn't any controversy, there wasn't any division among them, but there was a, a oneness in everything that they were proclaiming. And God's grace and power was upon them all. And then number three, there was also material oneness as well. It wasn't only that mystical oneness of unity of vision, but also they gave everything that they had. And you find that the Bible says that it was something spontaneous. It was a spontaneous expression of oneness, giving what they had. And they brought out the example of how Barnabas sold his house and brought the finances and gave it all to the church. It wasn't something that was demanded of them, but it was an expression of love. And you know that that's the way we should give? The way God wants us to give, He wants us to give out of love. Not out of uh, necessity, but out of love. That it comes, our offerings, and whatever we do for God, 
comes from the bottom of our hearts. And we find that this is exactly what the church had. They, Barnabas sold his house and brought the finances and brought it unto the church because of the love of God that was in his heart. So we find that he gave. It was Barnabas that sacrificed. There was oneness and also material giving as well. And then all of a sudden we find sin comes into the church. Church is going fine. Everything is beautiful. And they're thriving and beautiful things are taking place. And there's oneness and there's unity and there's holiness. And all of a sudden we find it brings out the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And it brings out how there was a sinful pretense. Ananias and Sapphira came and they sold their property and they wanted the same recognition that Barnabas got. They wanted recognition as far as being a sacrificial giver and they wanted all the privileges and all the recognition of being spiritual and living a sacrificial life and a committed life and they sold their property and instead of bringing the entire sum of what they sold their property for, they came and they only brought a portion. Now, if from the get-go, from the very beginning, if they would have said, well, we're bringing so much, we sold it for so much, and we're giving the church so much, then it wouldn't have been a problem. They would have been telling the truth. They would have been given out of a heart full of sincerity. But they came and they used a sinful pretense. They came and said that they had given it all when truly they had not given it all. And then we find that Peter received spiritual perception and God reveals to Peter that they lied to the Holy Spirit and then there was swift judgment. The judgment of God came upon them. The judgment first came upon Ananias and he was right on the spot. He died. Judgment of God came upon him and Peter said, Why have you lied? You haven't lied to man, but you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And he died. He dropped dead right on the spot. And then right after that came his wife, and they had planned already. And she came, and later on, and then they also, she came and they asked her, Did, was this so much that you sold the property for and that you gave, uh, and that you're giving the whole amount to the Lord? And she says, yes, and there was also, she was together with him in the lie, and then she also died. And the judgment of God came upon them. So as you could see, I mean, it was a, a very, very heavy church. It was a church where there was holiness, and because of the holiness, the judgment of God would come against sin within the church. That brings us to where we're going now, where we are now, okay? And in verse 12, and I want you to follow with me this morning, okay? Now, in verse 12, the first feature we're going to be looking at that we find in verse 12 to verse 14, and we're going to be dealing with five features that we find within the church, the first one that we find that the church had was that it was a pure church. The church had purity. It was a church that was purified by the Holy Spirit. And we find the example of the purity of the church with Ananias and Sapphira. The reason why they died right on the spot was because of the, such of the, the contrast that they had with the entire church. While the church was pure, and a pure church will not be able to put up with sin. 
And because of the purity of the church, the judgment of God came upon them. And that resulted in a few things, and it always results in a few things. First of all, let's look at the negative result of it. And it tells us in verse 13 and 14, it says first of all in verse 11, And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. What does it say? Great fear gripped them when they heard about what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. I think the same thing would happen with us this morning. If we hear that God is killing people that are not right with God, you're going to say, man, that victory outreach, there's some serious stuff over there. And, and fear, fear of reverence and fear came upon the people, all the people that heard what had actually taken place. And then it says in verse 12, And by the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were wrought among the people. And it says they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. And then it says over here, and of the rest, listen what it says in verse 13, and of the rest uh, dared no man to join himself to them. All of a sudden, when we look at the, the negative aspect, there were people that were saying, I'm not going to get involved in that church. And you always find that there's always people that are always looking to get, jump on the bandwagon in any new movement. Just like here in our church, you always find people coming to looky-loos coming to check things out. And then as you start preaching a little bit heavy, they say, ooh, no, that's too heavy for me. I'll go, some, I'll go elsewhere. Because there are people that don't like commitment and people that don't want to really uh, consecrate and, and, and declare themselves and, and commit themselves to the purposes of God. And we find that the very same thing happened in the early church. So all those people, all those looky-loos, and all those people that were not willing to make a commitment did not dare even enter the doors of that church. They said, you can't mess around in that church. They, they kill you. They kill you. And it says, and, and, and the word got out, the testimony got out, and no man dare join himself to that church. But look what it says. That's, that's the negative part, right? But then look what it says. Let me give you the positive in verse 13 and 14. And then it says, But the people, what? Magnified them. Now, what people were the ones that magnified them? The people that it follows up in verse uh, 14. And it says, And believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. So you notice what happened? That all the people that were not willing to pay, to really pay a price, or people that were looking to compromise and looking for just an emotional experience and, and jump on a, on a spiritual bandwagon, they said, I'm not going to associate myself with those people. That's heavy stuff what is happening over there, and it's heavy stuff what has taken place. So those people, the people that were not interested in full commitment, the people that were not interested in full consecration, were afraid to join themselves to the church. But at the same time, the Bible says that many men and women were added to the church. What kind of men and women? Well, I'll tell you what kind of men and women. Men and women that said, 
I like what I see. Men and women that were willing to commit their lives and lay their lives on the altar of sacrifice. Men and women that were willing to commit themselves to the work of God. Those were the people that joined the church. In other words, it wasn't so much quantity, but it was quality people. And the most important thing within any church, it's not so much the quantity. See, people that are not really plugged in and committed are people that are here today and gone tomorrow. As soon as the very first turbulent experience, as soon as the very first uh, uh, wave of, uh, of attack of the enemy, they're the first ones that, shoom, they, they come fast and they leave fast because there's no real commitment as far as part of them to the Lord and to the church. And the people that we find here were people that were totally committed. They said, if I join that church, then I'm going to have to pay a price, but I'm willing to pay that price because I love Jesus Christ with all of my heart. So it became a church that had quality. And I'll tell you this morning, if we're going to accomplish what God wants us to do and what God wants us to be and what God wants to do in each of our lives individually, then we need to be a quality people. And it doesn't take a whole lot of people. It just takes a small group of quality people that will be able to turn cities upside down and right side up for the glory of God. It's not the quantity of people. It's the quality of people, the type of people that we have within the assembly. So right here, there was a sifting. All those that were playing games and all those that weren't serious, they ran out. They, 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 they took off. But all of a sudden, God brought in a crop of people that were willing to pay whatever price because of their love for Jesus Christ. God brought in quality people, and the church was made up of quality people. So you have the negative aspect. People said, I'm not going to join that. And then others, all of a sudden, we have the positive aspect that God brought in a whole new crop that was committed people that were added to the church. So we find that the church was a church of purity. It had purity. It had holiness. Now how do we become pure? How does the church become pure? Well, first of all, the only way we become pure is by having fellowship with God. You cannot become pure unless you begin to walk with God, begin to talk with God, begin to spend time with God. So the very first step in purity within our individual lives and also within the church is when the church begins to pray. See, prayer is spending time with God, conversing with God, getting to know the mind of God. And as we begin to learn to pray and we become powerful in our praying experience, then there's a transformation and a change that begins to take place in our lives. There's a stability. There's a, a consistency. There's a, a grounding in the faith that begins to happen to us when we begin to press in in prayer. And I'm so thrilled to see our church pressing in in prayer. We've never prayed so much. Our ministry's never prayed so much. God has been really stirring up our people to seek Him and to separate themselves 
and begin to seek him earnestly in prayer and supplication before him. And when the church begins to do that, then the church is coming into that place of sanctification and that place of purification where God is able to manifest himself through those believers because they become quality believers. And God wants to raise us up to be quality people. Okay, so the church was pure. Secondly, and I don't think we'll do the five this morning, but secondly, we find in verses 12 and 15, from 12 to 16, that not only do we find the church had purity, but also the church had another feature. The church also had power. It was purity, and because of the purity, it was also a powerful, powerful church. Let's read what it says in verse 12. In verse 12, the beginning part of verse 12 says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. Man, it, that must have been an exciting thing to be in Solomon's porch. You find it over and over in Solomon's porch. That's what they would gather together. And, and it says over here that by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders among the people. And then it says in, in, verse, uh, in verse 15 and 16, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the street and laid them on beds. Listen to this. And couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And there came also multitude out of the cities. Listen to what it says. Multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them that were vexed with unclean spirit. And they were healed, every one of them. Here we see the power that the church had. And the reason why the church had this power was because it was a pure church. It was a committed church. It was a dedicated church. It was a separated church. It was a consecrated church. It was a quality church. And because of that, we're able to see the manifestation of the Spirit moving through these people, and there was great miracles that actually took place. Now you notice it says that there were signs. It says over here that there were many, many signs and also wonders. Now what are the signs? The signs, what it really is, it points people to Jesus. And this is what they were doing. With all these miracles that took place, people noticed the miracles and took note of the miracles, and all the miracles pointed the people to Jesus. Then Peter had their attention, and he was able to minister to them and tell them that it was Jesus that performed those miracles. So there was tremendous signs and miracles and wonders and healings that actually took place in the early church. That even so much that some of the ancient people in those days believed that a man's shadow carried his influence. You notice what it says? That they even brought the people and laid them up to the shadow so that the shadow of Peter could pass by. They, they, they felt that the shadow carried his influence so parents would place their children into the shadow of great men and snatch them away from someone they disliked. So with Peter, they said, if only we would take our sick folk and take our children 
and those that are diseased and those that are in need and place them in the very shadow of Peter, there'll be healing, there'll be virtue, there'll be the miraculous that'll actually take place. Now, it doesn't tell us that actually his shadow healed anybody. We don't know. But it very well could be because at the, uh, it tells us that all that came, not some, but all that came for healing and for deliverance and those of demonic spirits and those that were sick in body and those that needed the miracle, it says that all of them, not some of them, but all of them were healed through the ministry of the apostles and through the ministry of the church. So as you could see, the church then had power. It's a powerful, powerful church. Now, we could be that type of church, but if we're going to be that type of church, then there's a price that we have to pay. There's that price of commitment. You know, and nowadays... Uh, people don't want commitment. Our days, people don't like to hear commitment. They don't want to hear anything about paying a price. They don't want to hear anything that's going to cost them anything. I mean, they want a, a, a smorgasbord type of Christianity, free type of Christianity without commitment. But that's not the Christianity that produces Holy Ghost results. The Christianity that produces Holy Ghost results is the Christianity that we find here in the book of Acts. There was purity. There was separation. And because of the separation, they had power. And the power of the Holy Spirit, because of their committed lives, the power of the Holy Spirit was being manifested within the congregation and manifested through the people that were in the church. And God added to the church. And the type of people that God added to the church were quality people. People that wanted to commit their lives to Christ. All those uh, flaky people, Holy Spirit ran them out. They got scared when they began to see all these things happen. And God began to bring in quality people. So the church was a powerful, powerful church. And I believe that there's a lot of needs. There are many needs in our congregation. There are many needs in our world. And God has called the church to be an agent of healing for hurting hurting world. God wants us. Hear me now. God wants Victory Outreach La Puente to be a, an agent and to be a, an instrument in his hands to not only bring healing to La Puente and the surrounding communities, but also to bring healing and hope to a, a sinful and wicked world that is totally lost. A hurting world. And the only way we could do that is when we place ourselves in the hands of God. So the church then was what? Number one feature, pure. Number two feature, what? Power. And sometimes we want the power. It's not just saying, give me power, give me power, give me power, give me power. Sometimes we want the power, but we, refu we, we, we refuse and we're unwilling to pay the price. If you want power within your life, then you must be willing to pay that price. And the early church was willing to pay that price. Number three. So we have purity. We have power. And what's number three? There was also 
persecution involved. <laughs> you say, why can't everything go right all the time? You think you're going through trials? Are you suffering, dear Christian? Well, I want you to know that it's not something new. Let's look what it says over here in, in verses 17 to 28. It says over here, actually verse 17, it brings it out, and it brings out the, the persecution. It says, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which were of the set of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. Now you notice, there was right away, there was opposition. And here were the apostles, they had power, uh, a powerful church, and God was moving by his Holy Spirit, and right away the enemy rose up to oppose it. Anytime you do something for God, and you purpose to do something for God, you better rest assured that the enemy sooner or later will come against it. And you're going to have a battle in your hands. So they started persecuting the church. And it says the high priest rose up, and they that were with him, and a set of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. Now, why were they filled with indignation? Well, I'll give you a few reasons. First of all, because they were jealous. You see, they were getting all the attention of the people. They were working miracles over there in Solomon's porch, and all the people were coming, and they were getting the attention, and it was no noised abroad all over the place of what was happening. It was reminding them, taking them back again to the days of Jesus. They thought they got rid of Jesus, and they had him crucified, but all of a sudden now, here's a band of disciples that God raises up and everything that was happening while Jesus was walking the earth, it begins to happen again. Before when Jesus was ministering, they would even try to touch the hem of his garment. And now you have the disciple Peter, and he's ministering, and they're trying to put sick people in the very shadow of Peter, and it says, and every one of them got healed. The same miracles that were taking place through the earthly ministry of Jesus, all of a sudden they try to kill him and, and shut him up and destroy him. But oh, praise the name of Jesus, up from the grave he arose and he lives forevermore and he empowered his disciples and now the very disciples are doing the same work that Jesus did. The same works that Jesus did. And they were furious, jealous, because they wanted all the attention. But how many know that God has a way of inter bringing intervention? Whenever the devil comes against us, God makes a way where there seems to be no way. Like the black preacher said, God is a way maker. And he sure is a way maker. Whatever situation you find yourself in this morning, I'll guarantee you and I'll declare to you that our God is able to make a way. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. This is why if you ever feel that Victory Outreach goes through trials and goes through persecution or goes through 
testings and tribulation, every ministry that's ordained of God goes through it. And every child of God that is a child of God will go through it. Now, they were jealous, right? So in verse 17 and, and 18, you find that the high priest rose up, and they that were with him of the set of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. And then it says, and then in verse 18, they laid their hands on the apostles. Now follow with me in the Bible. They laid their hands on the apostles, and where did they put them? They put them in a common prison, it says. They put them in jail. But what happened? God intervened. Intervention from God. They put them in a prison. It says, but in verse, I like when it says but, that word. Whenever you see that word but, it's telling you that something happens here. <laughs>